guys, and welcome to another episode of Around the World Sports. My name is Aaron Schellen. Today, we have our first repeat guest on Around the World Sports, Adam Taylor, writer for Celtics Blog and host of the Celtics Blog podcast, joins me to discuss the Celtics at the quarter mark of the NBA season. Adam and I talk about JT and JB, the development of the rookies, trade scenarios, his most recent discussion with Kendrick Perkins, whether or not Kemba is the right point guard for this team, and a ton more. Thanks for listening. And I am joined once again by Adam Taylor. And and Adam, thank you for taking some time with me today. You are the very first repeat guest on Around the World Sports. So thanks for taking some time with me on this Friday afternoon for me and Friday evening for you. Oh man, you too, Colin. Repeat guest. That's uh, that's dope. I'm doing good, man. Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know what the weather's like where you are, but it's been trash here. Yeah, it's cold and it's. We got about six inches of snow the other day, and it's it's pretty cold here right now. So it, it's you know, winter is officially here, even though it's fine. It's the end of January, so. Yeah, we got um, snowed into. We had loads of snow over the weekend, so uh, I feel your pain, man. I feel your pain. I mean, where, where are we going to go at this point? I mean, I got, you know, I'm going to sit home and, and and watch sports right now. So, um, yeah, so let's let's get into this. I mean, Celtics obviously have a, have a big game coming up on Saturday against the Lakers. Um, so what are your what are your initial thoughts on this season? We're about a quarter of the way through it. Uh, Celtics have been, you know, up and down. You know, a lot of that can be can be contributed to injuries and COVID issues and, and things like that. But but what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I think they've been better than I expected in certain aspects and then poorer than I expected in other aspects. So the two big lineup, I kind of expected it coming into the season because I didn't know how they were going to make room for Tice, T- um, Williams and Thompson. Two big mm. lineup makes sense. It sucked real bad. Uh, it doesn't suck as much anymore. It's getting better. The defense looks more. There's an interior presence about the team. I like that. Uh, I like that it's improving. I do think that they're waiting on Romeo Langford to come back so they have enough um, bodies at the two or that can play the two before they start going back to a more traditional Celtic starting five. Um, But either way, now there's a plan B. I like the fact that um, Jalen Brown has just been on a tear. He's, in my opinion, the most improved player candidate. Jalen, Jason Tatum has been crushing it. Uh, And then you've got like uh, Peyton Pritchard was obviously a really nice surprise. He's really balled out. And Neesmith is slowly looking like he's actually going to be an NBA-level player. So there's a lot to be positive about. And I try not to look at the negatives because as Celtics fans, as people, as someone that covers the Celtics, we're spoiled compared to a lot of other teams. Yeah. So um, you, you look at the positives and then you kind of break those down instead of looking for something that isn't working. Yeah, and I'm, we're, we're going to touch base on on all of those people that that you've mentioned uh, kind of in that first part a little bit later on. But the first thing I wanted to talk about was, was you mentioned the, the three bigs, the three centers and, and that 
<laughs> excuse me, you, you had the opportunity, um, and you actually posted the, the, the interview today, you had the opportunity to talk to, um, uh, Kendrick Perkins and that video, uh, you posted a link on Twitter, which is at Adam Taylor NBA. And you can also find it on iTunes. If you search Celtics blog, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, correct. So you, but it- yep. So you interviewed Kendrick Perkins and, and that was one of the things he talked about was that, was that three big lineup, um, was there anything else that he said uh, in that interview that that really stood out to you? Because that's what caught my eye was was his focus on on the three bigs. What 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 got your attention? So his outlook on Jalen Brown was very similar to mine. I was cool with that. What got my attention was how high he held Robert Williams in in kind of like what regard he held him in. Um, mm-hmm. Perk went on to say that he thinks that Rob Williams could be more impactful than what Perk was during his playing days. The athleticism. The shot blocking, the um, the facilitation out of the short roll. There's a lot to to be excited for about Robert Williams. My only counter to that, and uh, I'm on record saying this a bunch of times, is Robert Williams has all the talent in the world, but he needs to stay fit. He needs to stay healthy. This is his third year in the league, and Grant Williams played more games in one season than Rob had his entire NBA career. So there's little nuances like that that you kind of want it's not his fault, but you want to see that him kind of push them to the back and leave them in history and start developing now. It forced the Celtics hand. I mean, they're, you know, they play that three big, they play with the, the, those three bigs. And that was the one thing that Perk said is that they can't continue to do that. Well, you know, I, as long as Tice is hitting, they all do something well, right? Robert Williams is a fantastic passer for a big man. He can, you can jump through the roof. Daniel Tice is probably the best, not probably, Daniel Tice is the best shooter of the bunch. And Tristan Thompson is the best rebounder, best defender. So they all bring something to the table. Uh, but if one of them isn't doing that thing particularly well on a given night, it really, it makes the whole position look bad in, you know, over the course of a game. So, I mean, he's got, he's got the talent. He's got, you know, I mean, there were obviously, there were questions coming out of, coming out of college. He, you know, the reason he's called Time Lord and, you know, I mean, he, he's had his issues, you know, but but he's definitely the most talented of the bunch. And I, you know, I'd love not, I'd love to see nothing more than than him to force Brad's hand into playing him, you know, 25 or 30 minutes a night. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, kind of the, the two big stars of the Celtics. And I want to start with Jalen. I want to start with Jalen Brown. Um, and and you've you've started to see. Uh, people starting to make the argument that he could actually end up being better than Jason. Um, I don't necessarily believe that to be true, uh, but the improvement in Jalen Brown year over year from his rookie year to his second year, his second year to his third year. And now has been, has been, has been unbelievable. He's averaging over 27 a game now. Um, he's somebody that the Celtics can count on. To, to provide scoring if Jason's having an off night or he's like, he's been out for the last two weeks with COVID. Um, what's, what do you, I, I know, again, this is something you talked to Perk about, but what do you think his ceiling is? Ceiling? Um, whew, do you know, I've never really thought what his ceiling could be simply because I'm too busy looking at what he's improved on uh, every year on year. So I don't know, eight time all-star multi NBA <laughs> champion hall of fame, slashing wing i mean i try not to say i I, the player comparisons to me are kind of like uh they're par for the course right i use them more with draft um 
draft right. guys because it makes it easier for people to be like, oh, okay, so he plays a PJ Tucker style or or what what have you. Or whereas with guys that have been in the league a few years, like Jalen Brown is Jalen Brown. You don't really try and compare. Um, I like. I mean, look if you look at the way he attacks, he gets downhill. He's leading the league in fast break points. He's um, he was one of the league leaders in mid range pull up percentage. Uh, he's freeze now. He he just steps into freeze from like three four foot behind the basket confidently and hits them regularly. Uh, he loves to get downhill. His man to his uh, point of attack defense is fantastic. You know, strong. He's uh, regularly now being given the assignment of guarding the uh, the opposing team's best wing or best big. Uh, and that, along with Marcus Smart taking on the best guard, is fantastic. Ball handling's improved. I still feel like he can lose that handle a little bit when he tries to go into his bag and beat guys after, like, um, ISO up on guys and size them up. But I think, like, look, he's going to get a max contract next time he's up. I mean, I know his mm-hmm. um, extension only kicked in recently, but he's a max contract guy. If he keeps this up for the next three or four years, then you're going to have he's going to get paid. Whether or not, I mean, winning a championship is tough. It's all about situations. Some teams, you know, teams like uh, te- like the Lakers, a couple of the Lakers championships are because the opposing team got injured in the finals. Or there's, a, there's a lot to it. But I definitely think he's good enough to be the best or the second best player on a championship team. And I think he'll be good like that for the next 10 years. That's that's it's really amazing to think that both he and, and Jason are, are in their, you know, mid and, and early 20s. I mean, a lot of the talk I've seen about about Jalen is he's trending very similarly to Kawhi Leonard um, in terms improve year over year improvement. And, you know, two years ago when when he was struggling in in Gordon Hayward's, you know, first full season back with the Celtics, when, when he was struggling, you know, you just like to think that that that's where he would be now is is just crazy but he's shooting over 50% from the floor he's shooting over 40% beyond the arc playing great defense i mean he's just he's doing it all um for the Celtics and that that first step uh that that he uses to get himself into the paint i mean he's it's been really a joy to watch as a fan uh absolutely um so the other one, let's talk about, let's talk about Jason. So, I, I mean, he's already an all-star. He's already one of the top, you know, you can argue top 10, top 15 players in the NBA. He's 22, uh, which is incredible. I mean, you know, a lot of the talk this year has been that, you know, Peyton Pritchard, the rookie is older than, than Jason Tatum. Um, what, where do you see at this point, where do you see continued growth from Jason? Is it defensively? Is it shot selection? What does he get better at next? For me, it's facilitation. And you can see that Brad Stevens is kind of forcing him into positions as like a the become role ball handler. He'll ask him sometimes he'll run like a, if JT is at the four, he might run a two, four um, pick and roll. So JT is the role man. And then he'll ask him to either go, you know, p- uh, pick and pop or, short roll or ghost screen or whatever it may be, but they're putting they're putting Jason Tatum now in positions where it's, hey, we want you to learn how to make the right read at the right time. Make that next right pass. Make that read, uh, you know, make that baseline pass, swing it when it needs to be swung. And you started to see before um, he got hit with COVID, he was borderline triple-double most nights. He was getting seven, eight assists a game. He was dropping 24, 25. But what, but, What's helped is the fact that Jalen Brown is now scoring, you know, a million points a minute 
because right. that keeps the defense honest. And it, like when JT's on the ball, they they can't sag off of Brown because they know that he can get hot in a, in like a blink of an eye, which is allowing this pick, high pick and roll game that Boston like to use to work. And giving Jason Tatum the ball and asking him for, to facilitate, that is the best evolution he can have because then you don't just have to defend him from the drive or from the pull-up. Now you have to defend the passing lanes as well. And that's when the weak side's going to really get opened up because teams will have to pinch in. So for me, from a, a technical standpoint and a schematic standpoint, getting him to be a very reliable passer will be the next step in that evolution towards superstar. Yeah, and that passing only makes his teammates better. I mean, we've seen it in in players like 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 Shemi Ojale, for example. I mean, he looks a ton more confident this year shooting that three pointer. He's not hesitating. I mean, he's stepping into shots and, and confidently taking shots. And a lot of that is because he's getting those open looks in the corner when that weak side defender has to come over and 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 close on on Jason as he's getting into the paint or you know posting up and, you know, someone brings over a double team, he's able to find that open man. Um, and so that, I mean, that's going to make his teammates better as well. So uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely seeing that he had a, I think he's had at least one double digit assist game this season. So um, and it's just scary. You know, when he came out of college, he could, they said he couldn't shoot the three and, you know, I think it was two years ago. They talked about how he was taking too many long, uh, two pointers, you know, so he's he's you know, getting into the paint more. Which people um, only moan about when they're not going in. Jalen Brown's taking all the long twos at the moment. They're going in, and everyone's loving it. It's uh, yeah. it's fickle like that. Yeah, you know, and I think part of that is 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 Jason, you know, made it clear. I think it was it was two summers ago when he was working with Kobe in the off season, and and people were complaining that he was trying to kind of emulate Kobe, which I mean, is never a bad thing, but emulate Kobe in his, in his style of play with the turnaround fall away jumpers and, and things like that. But uh, you're right. When they're going in, it doesn't matter. And, and for both Jalen and Jason, more often than not, those shots have been going in. So um, yeah, it's, it's having those two as, as the cornerstone of, of the lineup for the next decade, you know, feels good as a Celtics fan for sure. Um, so I want to uh, take a second and talk about uh, the newcomers. Talk about the the rookies, and and we'll start with we'll start with with Aaron Neesmith and and save a couple of of decent performances. He's had a, a bit of a rough start to his rookie season. Um, you know, he was injured coming out of college. There was no uh, there were no uh, there was no summer league. Um, preseason was very limited. I, is that all you chalk it up to or, or do you think he's struggling with the speed of the NBA game? I mean, I think it's a mix of everything. Like uh, he only had half a college season before injury. Then as you say, no preseason, very limited um, off season. Um, yeah. Very limited off season, very limited preseason, no summer league. So he comes in, he's not as polished as what Pritchard is because Pritchard's a four year guy, four year guys. Typically that's what you get. It's a low ceiling, high floor, and you buy in on that because you know they can give you, you know, air quotes, reliable minutes as a right. four-year guy. guy like Neesmith comes in, he don't know where he needs to be on the floor. He hasn't had time to work with the coaches. He hasn't had time to learn the sets. He hasn't had time to mess up in summer league and get caught out by a borderline NBA talent. It's just you were in college, now go and guard Kawhi Leonard for five minutes. Like, 
it, you right. know, it it doesn't work. So that's why we're seeing him seeing him now slowly become better, or we're perceiving him to be better. He actually there's no way he's improved this quickly in terms of a, a skill set standpoint because play it takes rep upon rep upon rep. All we're seeing is his positional awareness is improved. He knows where he needs to be on the floor now, especially defensively. He knows that right. If I'm on a fa- if I'm covering a fast break, I need to get back and guard that wing. If they're coming in after, if they're like trying to um, snake the screen, I need to pinch. He he knows where he needs to be positionally now, and that's bled into offense. And when you're in the right spots on offense, your teammates will find you, and the opportunities to score will come. So, for me, it's definitely more positional than it is skill wise. There's no no doubt in my mind his skill set has not changed from the day he got drafted to now. Yeah, and in, in, in with with Coach Stevens, it's it's all about defense. And if if you play defense and you're in the right place and you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing, you're going to get more minutes. And as he's gotten more comfortable being on the court and being in the right place, you see Brad is he's getting a he's getting more minutes. He's getting rotational minutes rather than rather than those cleanup minutes. And I think it was that game against Washington where they were playing with eight or whatever it was. He had a a couple of nice um, defensive plays, one specifically on a fast break where he was able to break up, uh, break up a fast, fast break pass after missing a three pointer. He hustled back on defense. Oh, against Chicago. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was against the bulls. Um, You know, those are the types of plays that are going to keep him on the court. The the shooting's there. I mean, you you can see the stroke. It's a smooth stroke and, you know, especially if he's playing, we, we talked a minute ago about about that weak side, that weak side corner three point shooter when 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 Jason or, or Jalen are are driving to the hoop. I mean, Neesmith could make a could make a living out of hitting those corner three pointers. You know, catching catching that pass from from Jason or or Jalen. So, be nice to have another knockdown shooter. I mean, it was something that that the Celtics have have missed. So to have somebody like him who has that skill set, if the shot's not falling, Brad has somebody that he can go to that might be able to get hot and hit a couple threes that won't completely uh, give it all back defensively. You know, and I think that's that's what they're looking for now out of him. Uh, the other rookie, Peyton Pritchard. I mean, what, what can you say about Peyton? I mean, he's become a fan favorite in you know in, in less than twenty games. Uh, many people thought, and I don't know enough about. Um, Oregon college basketball to say otherwise, but there were a lot of people that thought that this was a reach that it was, uh, that it was a stretch to take Peyton where, uh, where they took him. Um, you know, Danny so far has proved us wrong. I mean, what do you attribute it to? Do you attribute it to that kind of high ceiling, low floor or other way around high floor, low ceiling, uh, out of those four year players, or was there something about him coming out of college that, that made people complain or do people just like to complain i guess i mean i didn't even have him in my top 60 on my big board um i had him going completely undrafted oh wow so when he got picked late first i was like what the hell is going on like i'm looking through pages of players i've got listed in order and i'm like pritchard's so far down the list i'm texting a couple of my friends that cover teams around the league like hey where did you have pritchard where did and then like didn't even have him in the top 60. Other people didn't have him there. Uh, I had some people like didn't even bother writing his name down. So as overall, the majority of people I spoke to, and some of them are like really respected draft guys, and some of them just cover teams. Are um, I say just cover, that's kind of di- di- disrespectful. They cover teams. Right. Um, 
none of us expected this. I mean, but the thing is, like, the Celtics love these scrappy guards, guards that will get under your grill, um, really start to aggravate the ball handler, fly between one pick to the next, one screen to the next, rotate heavily. And then the fact that he's just got the ball on a string and he's so quick on the break and he's reliable as a pull-up shooter, just flashes that he's got that step back that reminds me a little bit of IT4. Um, he he's hit that a few times where he'll drive the lane, he'll like shuttle between the two um, two perimeters, and then just step back and pull up for the shot. And that's very it esque for me. I just feel like the intensity that he brings and the fact that he came into the league after four years in college, after multiple runs towards championships with college, he came in more polished than what most guards would have. There were guards I would have loved. Um, for them to take over Pritchard, but at the moment he's proving that he does belong. I do wonder how long that lasts. Once teams get used to what his his game's about, he's going to need to start going deeper into his bag or adding things into his bag to be able to get those same kind of looks. Because the t- defenses will get wise to the way he's playing, right? But he's not. He's fearless. He goes right into the hoop, mm-hmm. and um, you know, if you're driving to the hoop, I don't care what defenses want to do. They collapse. You kick it out. And if they give you the shot, you take the shot. So I think he's uh, never going to be a starting caliber guard, but uh, he'll be a very, very useful um, rotational guard. And he's confident, you know, and, and that, 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 that plays a huge role, especially for a rookie to be able to, you know, I mean, he hit the, the, the game with the game winning shot at the buzzer against, against the wizards um, has no hesitation when it comes to, to taking, uh, taking those open threes, you know, you see a lot of rookies who, you know, they'll, they think twice about, about taking that shot and and you just don't see that with him. And, and you get, you get that, you know, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas. I mean, he's another one of those, you know, undersized, it's scrappy, you know, fan favorites. And, you know, if he has half the career that Isaiah Thomas had, I think, uh, you know, I think it'll be a success, but yeah, I mean, the 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 Celtics have did a did a did a pretty solid job in the draft this season and and you know I think when it's all said and done I, I think you know they're both going to be major contributors to this team I mean to this team this year I mean there's going to be a point where the shot isn't falling for for Jason or Jalen and 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 Brad's going to put Neesmith out there and he's going to hit three three pointers in you know six minutes to, to get the ball rolling. It's, it's, he's got the touch and, and Peyton just is immensely competitive and, and, and confident and that, that makes for a good combination. So um, you mentioned at the beginning, when I asked you kind of your, your initial thoughts, you talked about Kemba and how he looks like, like Charlotte Kemba rather than, rather than year one Kemba. And he said he's fully healthy and he's playing without pain for the first time in a long time. What does a fully healthy Kemba Walker do for this club that you know maybe he wasn't able to do last year defensively absolutely nothing Offen- <laughs> right <laughs> offensively um he has gravity to him you know and um a lot of people talk about this scoring gravity and how important it is to have multiple scorers with gravity kemba's got enough gravity for two of most of a team's scoring gravity he'll coming off the screen teams panic and he's that quick when he's healthy like he is now. He can change um, change direction on a dime. So what for me, what he does for this team is not only does he 
open up the three-point shot for himself, but he's going to make it so much easier for the Jays when they're operating off ball and they're cutting in from the wing or they're cutting baseline or whatever. Um, and he also allows Brad Stevens to run some more complex sets because um, I don't know if you read Jared Weiss's stuff for The Athletic, but the mm-hmm. Celtic, um, he, he's done a really good um, film dive on a play called 11 by the Celtics. And it's literally just a stagger screen. And you use Kemba Walker and you ask Kemba Walker to come off the first screen soft and then explode into that second screen and either pull up or drive. And you can't do that with a guard like Marcus Smart because they just don't have that burst of pace that would uh, make that play effective. Because obviously you want to walk your defender into the first screen and then when you explode, you, you're basically losing another two defenders because you've got your defender trailing and the big man guarding the second screen. As you right. explode, you're just opening up so much space around the rim. Um, so he opens up stuff like that, you know, like um, you don't see Boston run Spain pick and rolls unless Kemba Walker's on the floor. You don't see Boston run 11 unless Kemba Walker's on the floor. So from an X's and O's standpoint, he adds um, a ton of depth to the way they can operate. Uh, and then from a fan perspective, it's always more fun when your best players are healthy. So um, I think he's good. I, I mean, I'm high on Kemba, but I also do b- don't believe he's the guard that um, completes the Celtics. I don't think he kind of uh, complements the Jays as best as good as some other guards possibly could. Um, but I definitely think you know he's not one of the worst options to have. There's no reason being sad that Kemba Walker's on your team. You know, Kemba healthy and 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 happy, which is the other thing. I mean, we we went through the the Kyrie years and. And, and to have a, a leader out there who, I mean, he's literally, he smiles the entire game, you know, and, and that, that has to, I'm not a professional athlete. I played some high school basketball when I was like a freshman. So, you know, I'm not one, you know, I don't know for sure, but it has to, it has to have an impact when, when your leader is, is, is that positive all the time, you know, it's just, it's, you know, I don't want to rehash the whole Kyrie thing. But, but when you have a leader who is, who is telling you to keep shooting, even when you're having a, a tough game and, and they have the confidence in you, it's got to make a difference. You know, it just, it just has to. Um, now you mentioned that you don't think he is necessarily the, the, the perfect guard for, for this offense or for the two J's um, who is, you know, given, given the opportunity, you know, who's who's that that guard that that fits that mold you think i mean are we just coming up with i'm throwing out any name regardless of salary or likelihood or do you want someone likely i, I would say more likely i mean obviously you could you know you could say you know damien lilliard is 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 the good fit or you know but that's yeah. not happening yeah also <laughs> lilliard's just a taller version of kemba um and obviously more skilled um I, I like the idea of a pass-first point guard with JJ and JB. Um, I've had multiple discussions about this online. It's never usually been very friendly towards me. Uh, <laughs> people disagree. Uh, that's fine, but everyone disagrees until it's a possibility, and now everyone's thinking I'm a genius, so you know you do the math. Um, I've been saying for about a year, I think Lonzo Ball would be an ideal fit. Uh, can run transition, can, pl- can uh, pitch pass across court, and he's ridiculously good at seeing passes before they materialize. So he would set JT and JB up. He wouldn't take too many shots because he's trash when it comes to shooting. Yeah. Um, so you don't ask him to do that. You know, them, those shots go back to JB, JT, 
maybe if uh, if you're playing Romeo, Romeo gets some shots. Nice. You've just got another 10 to 12 shots that you can distribute around your primary scorers. But you have a guy that's uh, a perimeter defensive threat. Put him alongside Marcus Smart. That's one of the best backcourts defensively in the league um, from the moment you start. It's so, one of the worst offensively, though. That would be that yeah. would be tough to watch, Marcus and Lonzo. Well, out there for together. me personally, I'd rather it be like um, you know, you slide Romeo into that starting lineup, and the defense is still there, but now you have a slasher that can score as well. Um, it doesn't have to be Lonzo; it's just his available. I, my ideal mm-hmm. guy would be SGA. If you could go and get SGA, sure. And okay. if you want to play with a small guard, then um, Kemba Walker's amazing. But I think that Chris Paul would have fit this mold a lot better than what Kemba Walker would have. So, well, yeah, yeah. Chris Paul, I mean, he's Chris Paul is still the, the prototypical point guard. I mean, he's he's a pass first guard, a point guard who can get to the basket and can hit enough jumpers to, to keep his defender honest, even at his age now. I mean, he's still one of the best point guards ever. Absolutely. And you could have swung a deal where Kemba went somewhere and you brought in Chris Paul and that's probably not a good deal because Chris Paul earns a bucket load of money in his old mm-hmm. but Kemba earns a bucket load of money in his old and they've both got bad knees so when when they're healthy which one's giving you more production I'm going to lean Chris Paul so I'm not saying Lonzo is like the ideal guard but that type of guard SGA Lonzo Ball Chris Paul that pass put first um, Lonzo's probably the worst out of all of them as well because he can't penetrate for shit so um you know, but someone that can penetrate and then set guys up off the bounce, set them up off the dribble, that to me accentuates JB and JT's skill set far more than a score first point guard like Kemba does. My only concern with with bringing in someone like Lonzo at the expense of Kemba is you're removing another proven scorer. I mean, we we already lost Hayward in the offseason, so down to, to Kemba and, and the Jays and granted the the development of the Jays is has offset that loss of, of Hayward to some extent. But if you replace Lonzo, if you replace Kemba's offense with Lonzo balls offense, now you're really depending on Jason and Jalen to carry you basically every night because you know, Brad likes to leave one of those three out there at all times. Kemba, Jason or Jalen is on the court basically the whole time. He doesn't run a whole lot of, you know, bench mob style lineups where it's all five, you know, bench players. So that would be a little concerning to me losing Kemba's offense. Um, but having that larger, you're right. I mean, Kemba is, is a non-factor on defense. So having Lonzo, who, even if he's an average defender is going to improve that side of the ball. Uh, and he's a fantastic passer. He can't shoot. Um, so that would be a little concerning. Somebody that that has piqued my interest, who 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 plays alongside Lonzo Ball, is JJ Redick. Um, not a Duke fan. I'm not a JJ Redick fan, uh, generally speaking. But if the Celtics could could pick up somebody like that uh, around, you know, the trade deadline, that you get another shooter. I mean, it's a shooter's league right now, and and he's one of the best. That's somebody that, especially for that second team. Um, would allow them to have two scorers out there at all times. You know, if they've got Kemba, Jason, or Jalen out there with with JJ Redick, you've got two scorers on the court at all times, at least. Yeah, I spoke about this recently on the Celtics blog podcast, and my outlook on it is JJ Redick's great. He's not good enough to get. And look, 
I know I've just said Lonzo Ball would be a good option. He wouldn't. What I'm trying, but it proves a point when I say that mm-hmm. it's to pass first point guy. But JJ Redick is not getting you over that hump. Lonzo Ball is not getting you over that hump. Chris Paul possibly might get you over that hump. Um, but generally speaking, there is no one available at the moment. Like if, if you bring in JJ Redick, where did the minutes come from for Aaron Neesmith at that moment in time? Where So you're bringing in Redick and Neesmith can learn from him in training. He can watch him, study how Redick gets to his spots, how he uses screens, how he positions himself, how he trains. That's great. But where do your reps come from? Where do your NBA minutes come from to help you improve? And bringing in a guy like Redick that doesn't take you to a championship level, but then stunts the growth of a lottery pick. Um, just It doesn't make enough sense to me to kind of be on that bandwagon. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It does. You know, I'm thinking about it from a perspective of, you know, if, 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 if Neesmith continues to develop, maybe we have our JJ Redick in, in already on the bench. Um, if he doesn't develop like, Brad wants because I mean once the playoffs start you know we're going to go to a eight-man rotation you know potentially you know maybe nine but more than likely you go to a an eight-man rotation and and if Brad doesn't trust him defensively he won't be out there no matter how good of a shooter he is and and while JJ Redick isn't a lockdown defender he at least knows he's got enough experience to know where he's supposed to be on the court and that sort of thing so um, and I guess that that brings up an interesting question. The Celtics have this twenty-eight million dollar trade exception that they got from Charlotte when they when they traded Gordon Hayward. Is that something that you foresee them using this year, or is this a, is this something that that they're going to use in potentially the off season to to pick up somebody who's got you know additional years of control or, or something like that? Yeah, so unless somebody like, well, the first things first, the Celtics are hard caps, so they've only got about 19 million of that TPE they can use right now. They'd need to send out decent amounts of salary out to open up more of that TPE to use. Um, I genuinely do not believe that they'll use that TPE for an expiring contract. Uh, mm-hmm. makes no sense to me because it's not like right. that contract expires and you've got that money. Uh, J- Jason Tatum's extension kicks in next season. So that money is going to Jason Tatum. So the only way to keep somebody is to bring them in with years under control on that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so expiring deals to me make no sense. I don't think they're going to happen, uh, which means that the majority of moves that happen during uh, co- coming up to the trade deadline are most likely the Celtics will be in the rumours but they're most likely not going to be something that happens with Boston. One, because of what it takes to open up the cap space necessary to use a full TPE. Two, because the, the player isn't choosing to come to Boston. He's being sent to Boston. Kyrie got sent to Boston and left the first chance he got. I know Haywood chose to come to Boston, but that's a completely different scenario. Right. Um, my outlook personally is they'll wait until the summer when that hard cap's gone. They'll remove some of their cap holds and open up some more money. And then they'll use that TP for a sign and trade, which will hard cap them again. But you know that's that's how such is life. But if you use it for a sign and trade, now you're con- now that player has a chosen to play for you. He wants to right. be there, and two or B, he's controlled for three or four years. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like he's yeah. coming in, and you have control of that player, and it it kind of removes a sense of urgency as well. Of we need to get this trade over the line because other teams are phoning about this player too. If it's a sign and trade, 
the player's interested in you, you're interested in them. It's more of a mutual conversation. So I'd expect it to be used in the summer if it's used at all. It, you know, I mean, you, Celtics fans and I guess Boston fans in general aren't notoriously patient. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be really hard for people to uh, sit through the trade deadline and watch Danny Ainge not use the TPE. I mean, you already, I mean, it, from the minute Hayward was traded, people were complaining that he didn't get enough in return. Whereas the people who understand how the, the TPE works are saying, let's, let's see who he gets with the TPE and then kind of make a final decision on, on whether or not it was a smart move to let, to let Gordon, well, I guess not let's probably the wrong word. Gordon was gone and nothing the Celtics were going to do is going to bring him back. But, um, you know, to, to, to allow him to leave, I guess, and, and, and get that TPE in return. It's, it's going to require some patience. I've, most of the people that I've heard have said the same thing that, that you've said, which is you're going to have to wait till the summer, you know, cause it, it doesn't make sense for them to use it. Now it makes more sense for them to, to find somebody that they can control for a couple of years. So um, Celtics fans are going to have to show some patience, unfortunately. Um, do you think it's just going to be, do you think the roster is going to stay status quo or, or, or do you think they're going to be looking at, you know, potential buyouts for veterans, you know, that sort of thing? Is that kind of where they're going to be? What for, in, coming up to the trade deadline? Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's going to be fringe moves. So, you know, Jeff Teague hasn't panned out right about now. Um, so, you know, maybe they look to move on from Jeff Teague. Maybe they try and do a def Jeff Teague for Derek Rose. I haven't looked at the money. Uh, that might not work financially, but you know, it's little deals like that. Uh, a third string or second string guard move them. Maybe you see, maybe somebody goes and knocks on Rondé Holler Jefferson's door and says, Hey, RHJ, we want some extra defense off the bench. Why don't you come for a, a playoff run with us guys? Uh, it's going to be these little types of moves. Maybe they say to Jeff Teague, fuck you go. And we're bringing it four in for the next six months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not expecting it to be like, hey, we've just used the TPE and sent Grant Williams and Aaron Neesmith out to get Aaron Gordon. Like, uh, as much as that makes a lot of sense, not with those two guys, but bringing in Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Um, that to me screams off season move, not mid season trade deadline move. It also doesn't fit Danny's MO, really, is, you know, taking, taking, trading players that, that he's drafted early in well i guess early in terms of neesmith not necessarily with grant williams but but trading these players i mean you know that's been one of the complaints is that he's hoarding all of these assets and and not moving them so that's not really his mo to send out someone like you know aaron neesmith who they just drafted this past season um you mentioned uh, Jeff Teague, and and I've, heard, I've I've seen you. You know he's kind of been your your target this season. I've I've seen your 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 uh, your Twitter posts about 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 Jeff Teague. So I guess I know the answer to to the second part of this question. But has there been anybody else on the roster that's either that's either surprised you with how well they played or have disappointed you in their performance so far? Yeah, I mean. Shemi Ojale was surprising. I expected him to just be the semi that we've seen for the last three years, you know? Um, he's came in, he's shooting the free ball really confidently. He's also added an ability to put the ball on the floor and attack the rim. We've mm -hmm. seen the Euro step, we've seen the reverse. Um, we're seeing him, you know, he's attempting step backs. They're not going very well, but he's trying them. 
Um, so now we're starting to see a consistent Shemi Ojale, a semi that doesn't have to stand in the corner to be effective. And defensively, he's very reliable. He came in, I was like, if he doesn't do good this year, that's his NBA career or his Celtics career at a minimum done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might hear about him signing in Germany or Russia or something next year. If he plays like he's playing, there'll be a role for him on a team in the league. Um, so that's a big surprise to me. Disappointment to me is Jeff Teague. He's had five games now where he's gone scoreless. Um, period. Like, just not scored. Yeah. Um, his ball hoggishness, if that's a word. Nah, uh, it's it, We can make it a word. I mean, yeah. I've done a bunch of film work when the Celtics signed Teague. And the number one thing I noticed is he uses the pick and roll a bucket load, but he never, ever reward, rewards the roll man. He'll go for the layup or he'll reset and run a secondary pick and roll or he'll swing out to the wings. But he'll never be like, oh, the big is in the like is right by the rim off a pick and roll. I'm going to give him the ball and let him dunk it. He just doesn't do it. He'll reward a short roll, but he won't reward a deep roll to the hoop. So like um to me, I don't understand why the bigs just stop screening for him. Let him you know, you want to do you know. Um yeah, I would. I'd be like, right, dude, you're passing to me. I ain't screening for you. This is the way it's gonna go. Uh, there's effort as well, very big lack of effort. There was a play against Philadelphia in the first game, not the second. And um, I can't remember who it was, but I think it was Matisse Feibel tipped the pass, um, tipped the ball out of um, Jeff Teague's hands. Yep. And yep, Jeff Teague that. literally stood there and watched the ball, didn't move, didn't dive through, just like, oh, well, shit happens. Um, that's not a Celtic. That's not what the Celtics do. If you watch these rookies, they're throwing themselves head first at the floor. Uh, to get that ball. They're fighting for every possession. When your veteran isn't fighting for every possession, what what message does that send to the rest of the team? Uh, I'm really low on him. Uh, he's not very good. And I think there's multiple better options out there. Well, and I, I mean, I think to some extent, Brad probably agrees with you as, as Pritchard was starting to get his minutes before, uh, before he, he hurt his knee. I mean, I said this to you on Twitter that 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 first game of the season seems like ages ago, doesn't it? Where where Teague scored eighteen or whatever it was. Um, you're right. There are games where he's just a non-factor, and and because of that, uh, Peyton Pritchard has been taking a lot of his minutes. And as far as Semi goes, you know, the one thing I mean, you he always I think had some career it may have been an end of the bench three and D kind of guy, but his ability to get into the paint this year and not have his shot blocked is something I never thought we were going to see from him. I mean, previous seasons, if he was anywhere other than standing behind the three point line by himself, he wasn't getting a shot off. It wasn't a jumper. There wasn't, there were no ball moves. And if he got it off, it was going to get blocked, especially down low. And, and I, I don't, his, I don't I don't want to say it's explosive because I mean, he's built like a, like a, like a brick, you know, I mean, he's, he's not an explosive player, but he wasn't able to get off the ground and it was causing, all, you know, a ton of his shots down low to get blocked. And we're just not seeing that this year. He's, He's again, I talked about confidence with Peyton Pritchard. Semi's got confidence this year that he hasn't had before. And I don't know if that's because, like you said, maybe this was his last shot to stick on an NBA roster, but I mean, he's got a spot on this team. And I, you know, I no longer say, you know, when he's out on the court, you know, he's not a no, 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 yes type shooter. 
if he's got an open three from the corner, go ahead and take it, man. You know, I mean, he's built that confidence in himself and, and obviously in, in Brad, because he's become a regular rotation guy now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a fun season. Uh, we got a big game tomorrow against the Lakers. How do you, uh, how do you see that one going? Oh, it's going to be a tough game. Um, Pert told me it was going to be a popcorn game. Get your popcorn, get your butter, and then make sure you're extra salty. Um, <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh when he said it too. Um, he's a funny dude. I'm going to go. The, I, look, I think it's going to be crazy difficult. Uh, the Lakers are coming in with a much deeper bench. They're coming in with much more size and much more physicality. Uh, the Celtics are going to have to try and finesse this one. I feel like they've got more guys that are skillful on the ball rather than just brutish. Uh, so it's going to be tough. I'm expecting I'd see, I'm expecting we'll see a bit more zone uh, like we did against San Antonio just because that helps the Celtics hone in. It's, they seem to be much more focused. And running a switch-everything system or a drop system against this Lakers team is a quick way to get smacked because when you're, when you're switching off LeBron or switching off AD, so whether it's a scram switch or just a, a perimeter switch, they're going to find an open man and they're going to punish you. Uh, Mark Gasol, for as bad as he is these days, is still a really good defender. Um, still a, a free ball threat, can stretch the floor. Uh, the Celtics can win, but I just think it's going to be tough. I'm probably going to set an alarm and wake up for the game so that I'll either be very happy when it finishes or I'll be pissed. Yeah, it's got to be rough for you, man, to, to, to try to catch these games. Uh and, and, and focus, you know, I have enough time, I have enough trouble getting up normal hours to, to set an alarm at, you know, three or four in the morning to try to catch these games. I don't, I don't know that I could do that. Well, it'll be a good game. I hope you, uh, you get to bed early enough to, to be able to get up and watch it with a, with a clear head. Um, again, I, you know, Adam, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, not just this time, but, but the last time you came on, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, I love, I love talking Celtics and especially love talking Celtics with somebody who knows what they're talking about. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I tell people, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, you, you have people convinced. So if it's, if it's, <laughs> if it's all a ruse, you're, you're, you're pretty good at it. So, um, Adam, once again, do you want to just kind of quickly give a shout out to, I know again, again, you interviewed Kendrick Perkins, um, posted it today. You want to just give a shout out to where people can, can, uh, can find your stuff. Of course. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Taylor NBA. You can find me, where am I? Writing at Celticsblog.com. Uh, you can find my basketball betting column at unibet.com. And you can find my general NBA podcast at talkbasket.net. So awesome. I'm, a, I'm around. I'm around. You're around. I'm, I'm going to put links to all that stuff uh, in the uh, in the description so people can, can track you down and find you there. So, Adam, thank you again for your time. And uh, we will, uh, hopefully we'll talk, uh, talk, Again, talk closer to the playoffs, maybe. All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm always free. Always. All right. Just uh, awesome. send me a message. I'm happy to do. Will do. Thanks, Adam. That was Adam Taylor of Celtics Blog. If you enjoyed this interview, you can check out all of my previous episodes anywhere podcasts are found. If you want to reach out to leave comments or feedback, or if you have suggestions for future interviews, I can be reached via email at Aaron I M S Lombard. That's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, I-M-S Lombard, L-O-M-B-A-R-D at gmail.com. On Facebook and YouTube, just search Around the World Sports or on Twitter at Sports Guy Aaron. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Good singer.
Bye bye. Till next time. And that's the way it is. Take care of yourself. Good night and good luck.